1: Another episode of the Source Material Comics Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Starcher, and tonight I brought along my good buddy from the Unspoken Issues Podcast, Chris Armstrong, to talk about Malignant Man with me tonight. So, Chris Armstrong, are you ready to discuss James Wan's Malignant Man tonight? Let's do it. This was one that Mark threw onto the schedule, I believe, because James Wan has a movie coming out that's called Malignant.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think, obviously, if you're like going through the uh, Googles and you're just like, <laughs> well, James Wan, Malignant. And then they, they're like, well, James Wan was, he had written. Uh, a comic called Malignant Man. You're immediately like, well, that's got to be what it's based on.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs>
1: yeah, not the case. Not the case.
0: The my- trailer for the movie is any indication. Other than the uh, word malignant, there's nothing similar to, to what the comic is.
1: I recognize the name James Wan, but is he a pretty a famous director?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm actually a pretty big fan of his uh, movies. He he did Saw was his I think his first like. At least his first studio movie.
1: That's an unknown title. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that is a uh, fantastic movie.
0: Yeah, he, he did that with, uh, I think, Leigh Winnell or, or Leigh Winnell. I think it's Leigh Winnell uh, wow. was the writer. And uh, they did Saw, which was a big like breakout hit. It may have even been an independent movie that was distributed by a studio. I can't, I, can't, I don't know the details on that. But, um, that became a big hit, and then he had a couple of follow-ups. He didn't, he wasn't um, involved as much with the sequels to those movies. He had a couple of follow-ups that weren't very successful, and then he kind of came back around about 2011, I think, with Insidious, which is like one of my favorite horror movies. I've uh, never
1: seen that. I know it's a franchise now. There's like, isn't there like three of them? I
0: think there's like five, but only oh. the first one is any good, really. Oh,
1: really? Really, uh, yeah.
0: I've heard he, he did good. the first two, and then other people did did the sequels after that. but I really like that movie. I like the conjuring movies. He did the first couple of those.
1: Obviously, I need to pay a little bit more attention. Uh, number, <laughs> I guess when I get into a scary movie, I'm not really paying too much attention to the directors. I'm just uh-huh. you know making sure I don't wet my pants because I'm a big baby. <laughs> Uh, I I mean, the Conjuring franchise I've watched, I I went and saw the first one in theaters, you know, when I was growing up, I loved to read about the supernatural. So I knew all about Lorraine Warren. I knew all about Ed Warren. When I go into this movie, I have no idea what I'm getting into other than just seeing a few of the trailers here and there watching, you know, the the first Conjuring. And I sit down and I'm like, oh, crap, this is Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they're talking about one of the cases that they did. I had no idea. Uh, I'm learning now that that was James (laughs) Wan. So that's that's
0: really cool. Yeah, I, I really like the Conjuring movies. A lot of, um, you know, Saw is a lot different. It, it kind of like yes. started the, I guess, torture porn is the term for a lot of those movies that kind of spun out of the success of Saw. I saw the first three Saw movies and then I bailed. I didn't watch any of the others after that. You know, his later successes like Insidious and the Conjuring movies, they are depend a lot more on like, camera work and atmosphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then he did, I think because of the success of the conjuring movies, he did one of the fast and furious movies, the seventh one, I think. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then he did Aquaman.
1: Never seen Aquaman. I may have seen parts of the seventh fast and the furious, but,
0: but yeah, his new one looks uh, similar to like the conjuring insidious stuff. The, this new one he's got coming out malignant, which I'm looking forward to because I like, you know, his horror, his horror stuff.
1: I doubt I'll be going to the theaters to watch malignant, but if it holds up to the conjuring And and, and the reputation of Insidious, I'll probably give it a watch at some point. So this is Malignant Man. Uh, I'll read the description from Amazon here. Uh, this came out, by the way, Malignant Man came out in uh, 2011. Looks like the latter part of 2011. Like I said, it was credited as being written by James Wan, Michael Allen Nelson, art by Piotr, Piotr Kowalski. From Amazon, here's a description of the book, and then I'll kind of hop into the synopsis. I, actually, I'll, I'll have a couple other questions. We'll get into the synopsis. but So Alan Gates, a cancer patient with a terminal diagnosis, is resigned to his fate until he discovers that his tumor is actually a mysterious parasite. Granted a second lease on life and incredible otherworldly powers, Alan must fight against an evil army buried beneath society's skin, all the while unlocking the secrets of his forgotten past. Dark, twisted, and unique, Malignant Man is a sci-fi thriller that can't be missed. I think you probably threw your hat in on this because of James Wan. Am I right, or did you read this?
0: No, that's correct. I had never heard of this until I saw it pop up on the list for for op- for uh, options for for the podcast. Okay, cool. um, And I guess... I put the connection to, like, well, he's got a movie coming out called Malignant. So I thought they were probably connected somehow. Yeah. Uh, so I thought well, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I, I wouldn't mind reading that. I, I didn't know Juan had ever done anything with comics. I have a feeling he probably came up with a concept and maybe the story right. idea, and then I'll, I'm assuming that Nelson was probably the scripter and actually did the actually wrote it. It says co-written. Um, of a concept from from Juan and and story from one.
1: Yeah, co-written by fan favorite Michael Allen Nelson, who apparently was. Oh, uh, do you recognize that name at all? Because
0: I'm gonna. I recognize the name, but I, I can't place anything that he's done. I'm assuming he's done other stuff that Boom put out.
1: Twenty eight days later.
0: Okay, yeah, that was a cool comic.
1: Okay. All right. First two issues. That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network, you can get a free 30 day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W the number 2M network for that free 30 day trial. Coming home from disappointing news at his doctor's, Alan Gates is dealing with the fact that the cancer he has will kill him within two to three weeks. On his way to his apartment, he attempts to halt a purse snatching when the criminals shoot him three times, once in the head and twice in the chest. Somehow, still alive, Alan is rushed to the hospital where they remove the top of his skull to find tentacles squirming inside. Just then, a young woman named Sarah bursts through the surgery door, steals Alan and wheels him through the hospital, all the while engaging in a gunfight with some energy blade-wielding agents in business suits. Stapling Alan's skull back on, they escape, and Sarah explains that the thing inside his head will help him heal and also give him powers. Resisting and in disbelief, Alan runs home only to find another set of agents waiting for him. Unleashing powers he cannot understand, firing energy bolts, mimicking Kung Fu he had seen on TV, and reading minds, Alan cannot comprehend what his abilities are. Sarah is able to find him at the end of the fight and takes him to see Dr. Ezra. Ezra explains that the being, a malignant, in Alan's head is from a spaceship that had landed in the 70s, and when it accidentally attached itself onto a colleague, they began to realize its symbiotic relationship granted powers as well. However, the most suitable hosts were children, and so an experiment began that Alan was a part of, but due to the trauma of killing a friend during that experiment, his malignant tried to protect him, causing him to forget. When Alan ran away from the project, the government shut it down and Ezra made sure the kids escaped unharmed. But now Ezra's previous partner, a man called Dr. Cancer, is sending the agents out to find Alan in order to harness his power. Alan also learns of the metal called Placentium that is unique to each malignant, giving them a powerful blade that is able to permanently kill other malignant-powered individuals. However, Alan's placentium is not currently in Ezra's lab. It is in Area 51. What do you think here, man? What do you think of these, I mean, I guess, these first two issues as we get into it?
0: I mean, I was surprised because uh, it didn't take long for me to figure out that this is probably not going to be <laughs> what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was it was an interesting concept. It kind of plays out more like an action flick. Absolutely. Any kind of like horror comic or, you know, it's sci-fi related, obviously, because there's alien parasite type stuff going on. Pretty gory, a lot of like extreme violence and stuff in the, you know, with his confrontation with the mugger, you know, kind of a shocking uh, moment when the mugger just unloads on him.
1: Cracking his skull open. I mean, you talk about gore. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I think you and I both have an appreciation for is the thing, uh, John Man, Carpenter's the thing and sure. the, the body horror that comes from that. Now, we don't get a whole lot of that in this book, but there's some, especially yeah. when they, you know, when he when they crack open his skull and they take the top of the <laughs> skull off and there is like tentacles coming out around right. his brain. You know, kind I was like,
0: like and you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it's pretty freaky. Uh and the fact that he wakes up in the middle of the surgery, that's uh there's horror stories written around just that alone. I like how uh, I'm mean, i I'm okay with blood, gore, and whatever in my comics. It doesn't put me off. You know, we only get tastes of it through here, and it, it, as I was reading it, we were learning a little bit about his past, but we we're obviously they're not going to tell you everything right up front. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you're kind of experiencing it like uh, Alan is, where he's remembering bits and pieces of it as we go through the comic, and then, of course, by the end of the first two issues, uh, you know, we're back to the lab where he was as as a kid... I can't remember if we get the explanation here. Uh, I think I fed a little bit of that into the synopsis just because I wanted it to make sense, but I don't think we get the full explanation in these first two issues as to why he's so traumatized. There's pictures, panels, and pages dedicated to the flashbacks of him just having covered in blood, and people just, the rest of the kids, just looking at him astonished uh, as to, why, why did you do something like this? And you're just like, what is it? What did he do? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? What happened? One of the things I definitely wrote down was uh, the power. Power set or the powers of the malignants i mean what did you think of those going into this did it, did it seem cliche to you at all that
0: you know he gets attacked in the second issue i guess by the it's they're kind of like I, I don't know if it's intentional or not but it it Very similar, like the agents in the matrix. Like, it's all these guys in black suits, black ties, you know, approach him and they handle themselves pretty well for, you know, a guy who a few days earlier was uh, on the verge of dying of brain cancer, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he, he exhibits some of these powers he can't really control. Like, he's, he's using a, a wooden baseball bat to protect himself, and then he just, I guess, instinctively, it explodes, and the, the shards just, like, annihilate a couple of the, you know, the assailants yeah. or whatever. But he doesn't really know what he's doing. You know, as we go forward into, like, this... I guess maybe in the third issue when the girl shows up and is trying to train him and stuff, he picks it up really quick or whatever.
1: You mentioned the Matrix, and boy, do I feel that all over. A lot of, a
0: lot of Matrix vibes throughout, especially through the uh, last couple issues. Yeah. yeah, When, <laughs> when the action it, really picks up.
1: When they decide to take the fight to the uh, agents and Dr. Cancer, it's very Matrix-like him learning things by osmosis. I mean, that was kind Mm -hmm. of, I mean, granted, the Matrix was all about just downloading into your brain and then, you know, but this was, what's the name of it? The malignant gave him the power to just kind of watch that stuff and absorb it and use Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah, a lot of Matrix vibes in here. And I don't know if that's intentional.
0: I mean, by this time, the Matrix sequels had come out and there was a big backlash. (laughs) And I think the, the movies weren't as big of a deal by 2010, 2011 yeah, or so. Dude. I think it was a pretty clear influence at least on some of the, the um, visuals and stuff.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. And one of the other things that they do and, and this is, you know, throughout the book, they talk about, and I mentioned this kind of in the synopsis where these agents that come after them are able to wield these blades, which is, okay, if we're going to say anything's in, probably unique, if we're going to separate it, this from the Matrix somehow, that's probably a big thing. By the first two issues, I can Tell, we're firmly into an action comic territory uh, than we are into something that's really thriller or
0: you know horror related in any way. But, uh, I mean, what do you think of the art? Uh, it's it's not too bad. It's one of the problems i tend to have with like stuff from like boom studios or idw a lot of times the art is just not on par with what marvel and dc have probably because marvel and dc have the prestige characters they're probably going to pay more royalties are going to pay out more through those uh companies there are exceptions like lock and key for example from my idw gabriel Rodriguez a great artist and stuff like that. You know, you get really uh, good artwork and different stuff, but uh, Kowalski, is that right? Uh,
1: so, 30 Days of Night, uh, which is, that's, uh, uh, Must yeah. Must be one of the
0: spinoffs. Uh, I think Ben Smith was the artist on the original 30 Days of Night.
1: Okay. I was going to say, yeah, this has a publication date of December 20th, 2017. So, Bloodborne, Clive Barker's Nightbreed, a lot of horror-related stuff here, God of Tremors, Join the Future, Marvel Knights Hulk, Monster World, Sex. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) Terminal Hero. The Steam Man. The Witcher Omnibus. I I know what you're saying when it comes to Boom Studios, IDW. Sometimes the art can be so, like, washed out. Like, it's not, for some reason, just doesn't seem as crisp is probably not the word. Because a lot of times I think... (sighs) I don't like to criticize somebody uh, in regards to the art I will but I don't <laughs> like to do it because it's you know it's their style. Yeah. That's your style. Okay, that's your style. Maybe it has something to do with the book itself too. I wasn't lost in the art uh to where I couldn't figure out what was going on. Every every panel had some type of definition and got the point across. So sure.
0: um yeah yeah it flows fine, you know. Yeah. I I'm not trying to be overly critical. It's just it's not it's not spectacular. It's it's it gets the job done though.
1: It's the job done. That's perfect. Uh okay, all right. Well, let's go ahead we'll get into the uh last two issues here and or parts three and four. I forget this is a trade paperback, so there's no issues as far as I know. All right. Arriving at Area 51, Sarah and Alan are trying to figure out how to get into the base in order to find the placentium when Dr. Cancer's infiltration team arrives at the same time. As the military engage cancer's agents, the carnage begins to occur when three of Cancer's elite malignant squad show up with placentium blades, killing Area 51 soldiers. So, yeah, you gotta picture this. You got uh, Alan and Sarah who are trying to get in there. They're, they're doing their best to get in there stealthily, I guess <laughs> is the re- best word. And then you have Dr. Cantor, who just flies a helicopter into uh, Area 51, drops a bunch of agents in there, and they're just gutting people left and right. right. But they're, they're after this blade. Uh, this creates a diversion enough for Sarah and Alan to sneak in and find the sphere just before the three malignant soldiers arrive. As they fight, Alan's malignant kicks in, and with the sphere, which has now turned into a blade, Alan kills two of them. With the last of Cancer's malignant soldiers trying to kill them, Alan and Sarah are able to escape and rush to get back to Dr. Ezra. However, when they arrive there, they find that Ezra and the children that were at the facility had been attacked, and all are dead or nearly dying. Finding Dr. Ezra just before he passes away, Alan sees through a vision that Dr. Cancer was the one that murdered everyone in the facility. Meanwhile... Cancer gets the report from the malignant that Alan and Sarah faced at Area 51. I know he has a name, but I didn't put it in the synopsis. And we learn at this time that Cancer is breeding malignants to create super soldiers. Yes, that's right. He's going to make his own army. Alan and Sarah are able to find a vacant barn and prepare for their planned confrontation with Dr. Cancer. When the day comes, they storm the building, plowing through waves of agents. When their attackers appear to be defeated, the malignant they faced from Area 51 shows up and begins to fight them. During the skirm Sarah is buried under some debris, crushing her legs, also getting cut by the evil malignant's blade. With some trickery, Alan is able to kill Cancer's malignant and tells Sarah he will come back for her after he kills Dr. Cancer. Here it is shown the traumatic event in Alan's past was when Dr. Cancer tricked a young child into attacking Alan, causing his malignant to lash out killing him. The two opposing forces finally come to blows and an epic fight ensues. When cancer cut cuts Alan's hand off, it appears Alan has been beaten and is about to be killed. But when Alan remembers that the bullets are still inside his body, his malignant uses its powers to shoot them out into Dr. Cancer, giving Alan the moment he needs to strike him down with his placentium blade. In our epilogue, Sarah is recovering with Alan and they are planning to find the facility where the malignants are being bred to make sure that it does not fall into the wrong hands. But first, Alan reveals that Dr. Ezra told him that his malignant spaceship was the only one that survived the crash, and he feels compelled. That is where their next journey will take them. So... I didn't really get into this in the synopsis. Alan gets his hand cut off at one point, and he, like, sticks a shotgun in his arm. Didn't he? Right. Like, s- something crazy like that. It's goofy-looking, but... Uh, kind
0: of an Evil Dead, Army yes. of Darkness uh, vibe. <laughs> Go
1: very much, very much. I wrote down here, I said, I get this Empire Strikes Back feel with all the hand-cutting and Force-using. Yeah. <laughs> the Millennium can, like... I mean, it, I, I say using the Force. That final battle between Dr. Cancer and Alan... His malignant uses the force to propel those bullets out of his body to shoot Dr. Cancer, which is
0: crazy. Yeah, that was a Um, cool moment.
1: Yeah, I I really did like that because, you know, you're kind of building up like, oh, man, what is he going to do now? Because Dr. Cancer has this dude down. He unleashes, uh, which is pretty neat. We get the backstory, obviously, we finally get the resolution about how Alan, when he was a young kid at the lab, ended up killing a friend of his because Dr. Cancer, I think, tricked the kid into kind of uh, provoking him. The kid didn't, was only doing what the
0: doctor said. But yeah, the kid was like crying while he was, you know, beating on him, which is that kind of horrific the way, it is. the way it plays out. It really is because, I mean,
1: the kid doesn't want to do this, but the doctor's telling him to do it, that he needs to do it. And then, yeah, Alan's malignant kicks in and just kills the kid, obviously. Uh, but again, it gives you another reason to hate Dr. Cancer. He's as bad as it gets. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not redeemable in any way. He's irredeemable. Uh, I, I mean, Matrix all the way when they storm that facility, dude.
0: Yeah, you get vibes of the lobby scene mm-hmm. in the Matrix, and there's a there's a shot where they're kind of surrounded by all these agents, and it's like the Agent Smith, you know, City Park fight, Burley man sequence in the in the second Matrix movie where. You Know Neo's fighting a hundred, you know, (laughs) Agent Smiths or whatever.
1: So, okay, James Wan comes to him with the story and says, Okay, here's what I want to do. How much freedom do you think Nelson had? He obviously let this go to prison. This
0: could have been a a movie script that he he wanted to make.
1: If there's anything I want to criticize about this book, it's the fact that this is an idea that we could easily draw parallels to, to a very famous movie. And, and there's
0: also like the the stuff with the kids and the facility, uh, with the powers. Like it's kind of I don't know if you ever read Harbinger, the Valiant comic. I've only read the more modern version. I haven't I didn't read Valiant stuff in the nineties, but um uh, you get I get a lot of vibes. Uh, From that through Mm -hmm. this, too, with like the kids being in a government research facility being, you know, studied and and utilizes weapons, basically, and stuff. Kind of a mishmash of a lot of different things in in this in this book.
1: I think we start out really strong with this. You know, we have this guy who's dying of cancer and then all of a sudden he finds out he has these great powers. All right. That's cool. Where are we going to go? And I feel like they were just like, okay, well, let's take some of these other elements and just kind of put it in here. Then it all of a sudden becomes unoriginal for me.
0: Yeah, stuff we've already kind of seen before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's a misstep in this book, that's it. It, it. It's still a decent story. I still liked where you know, from where we started to where we got to the end. I mean, I'm invested in Alan trying to figure out what his past was. I'm invested in how he's going to survive Doctor Cancer's attacks and if he's going to be able, well, the final confrontation with Doctor Cancer. And of course, uh, you know, his friendship with Sarah and where that's going to go. But you know, this came out. We said 2011, and we he clearly left the door open for yeah. something else to happen afterwards. And I don't think. I don't
0: think there was a follow-up that I'm aware of.
1: The next chapter would have been pretty neat. I think that would have been a fun story to tell. Like, okay, we're going to go to see what's going on on the ship, but now we've got a whole you know, in space! Here we go. <laughs> you know, we're, we're heading in space, and I'm sure there's probably going to be some hijinks there, but it was a decent story, other than just what felt very, very familiar. That's about probably the worst marks I can give it, so. Thoughts on the final two issues, and your thoughts on the, uh, the wrap it up, however you want to do it. Uh,
0: yeah, the the second and third Or, I'm sorry, the third and fourth issues that's where uh, the bulk of the action takes place. There's a lot of really cool action back and forth even though a lot of it like you said is really familiar the attack on the military installation when I'm just gonna call them agents and they just start hacking through people they're cutting soldiers in half lopping their heads off left and right we get a little pause where Alan and Sarah it's kind of like super rushed where they they go off together and then they're you know in a like an abandoned barn like training and stuff and she's just like okay I think you're ready I mean, I guess time has passed because, you know, Alan's hair is growing out and everything. It just seemed kind of rushed. But, I mean, they only had four issues to work with, I guess. Before they were ready for their big assault on the facility, he cuts his own hand off so he can attach the shotgun. Uh and it's like, is that really better than just holding the shotgun? I'm not <laughs> sure. Is he reloading it through the malignant or something? I don't yeah. get I mean, it's a cool visual and I understand that, but it just seemed a little silly. I was gonna say at some point you're probably gonna wanna drop the shotgun so you can go yeah. use a, maybe you can go
1: use the bathroom okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's just like uh, it, it gets a little bit inconvenient. I just kind of scrolled past that point that last final agent is coming at them at cancer's facility. And he's the one that's using that placentium blade. And he's like chopping i beams and stuff like uh-huh. that. He's obviously this formidable force. He's the only one that's left uh, of cancer's agents. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, what's this battle going to be like? And uh, okay. So the, this is the agent on hello, Alan, you know what they say about payback. Don't you? Yeah. She's standing right behind you. And so the guy's <laughs> like, you think you can sneak up behind me? And he turns around and nothing's there. And then when he turns back around, Alan shoves that placentium blade right through his throat. And that's the end. That's the end of that battle. So, I mean, cancer's battle with Alan was pretty cool. But, I mean, that one felt very anticlimactic. Right. Um, he looks
0: like uh Bloodscreen, the Marvel character. Yeah. The shades and the ponytail and everything. A lot of things remind me of something else in this. Book. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Overall, it was cool. I liked it. I don't know that I'd ever read it again, but it was pretty entertaining. And like the over-the-top violence and stuff actually did help it. It, it gave oh. it a, a tone that-, that I thought worked pretty well. Maybe my favorite moment in the whole book uh, is when they roll that placentium or whatever ball into it. <laughs> Into the the lobby, and the guy picks it up. The agent or whatever picks it up, and like, what is this? And it just shoots the blade right through his mouth oh, and was, yeah, dude. <laughs>
1: through oh, the back
0: of his head. Gosh! Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. It just seems. I've done the research on this, but it just makes me think that this was a probably a James Wan film idea, and it was at a time when he wasn't—he he had had some bombs, so he wasn't like able to get a movie made. So he probably just decided to repurpose it as a as a comic, and okay. that's probably how this got started. That's an assumption, but
1: yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. It's if you if this was the script, though, and you set this on anybody's desk, uh, they're going to be just like us. They're going to be like, "Okay, I know where that came from. I know where that came." From. <laughs> uh, you want us to put that on screen. I don't think we're going to be able to. Anyway, just had a fun time. It was there, yeah. Just like you said, I probably won't read this again either. I can tell people I did though. Somebody be like, "Hey, I'm watching *Malignant*. Well, let me tell you about a comic that has nothing to do with it, but it was my..." <laughs> we'll go ahead and close up shop here, man. Let's go ahead and get into plugs. So, hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI power. Powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com/w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com/w the number 2 m network to download
0: Grammarly for free. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at BrodyMan34. Uh, you can also catch me uh, occasionally on the Unspoken Issues podcast as well with Jesse.
1: That's right, man. We got our discussion about Duckman and Rocco's modern life. You and I just kind of get together, read a comic that was silly, and then talk about some fun stuff. That's really <laughs> all that it, all that episode <laughs> is, and I really love those types of episodes. So, yeah. But of course, this is source material on the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network. I know that we have Transformers Back to the Future scheduled for September 10th, so I got to sit down, talk about how Rodimus Prime is the leader of the resistance in 2015 and Doc Brown's got to come up and save them all. It's great stuff. So you have to check that out. But I've kept everybody here long enough. Uh, we are getting out of here. We'll catch you next time. For Chris Armstrong, I'm Jesse Starcher. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, bye-bye. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure to give that Radulich in Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon.